हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज ओमवेश उपाध्याय एंड यू आर लिसनिंग द ओमवेश शो आर यू ऑन एनी सोशल मीडिया प्लेटफॉर्म क्वाइट स्टूपेड टू आस्क राइट एवरीवन इज बट द सिचुएशन वाजंट द सेम 10 टू 15 इयर्स बैक फ्रॉम नो प्लेटफॉर्म्स एंड जीरो यूजर्स टू सेवरल हंड्रेड प्लेटफॉर्म्स एंड अ बिलियन यूजर्स द वर्ल्ड ऑफ सोशल मीडिया ग्रो विद अ लाइटनिंग फास्ट स्पीड बट समटाइम्स when everyone and everything is on social media seems to be a very confusing place right from trending hashtags to viral videos it turns difficult to choose what's for you and what not don't worry in this episode of the omway show we featured a great mind someone who had a very long career in the field of journalism and social media He was a former professor at the Columbia School of Journalism. He who co-founded South Asians Journalist Association. I'm talking about Mr. Shri Srinivasan. He was a former CEO at Met Museum and the chief digital officer of New York City itself. Mr. Shri talked with us about how the algorithm of social media platforms work to the future of digital journalism and a lot more so surely a conversation to hear here's the conversation before i initiate the conversation i want to tell you that uh, in particular this series uh, that we are doing and uh, we are interviewing people from different fields we interview uh, artists from bollywood uh, from the field of journalism and social media we have you on the feature so while i was doing uh, my homework and researching about you i got to know an interesting fact that you were born in japan uh, your growing years were in ussr fiji india you did your graduation from st stephen's if i'm right that's right yeah yeah so i want to ask that how growing up in different culture different countries felt like and uh, tell something about your childhood and growing up years yeah sure well thanks for um having me and uh, i'm glad to be here uh growing up in different places was difficult because it was not something that you could easily do uh yeah. you are always out of out of sync you were always adjusting and that was one of the uh problems you had in the work that you were you know as you're growing up and so uh i was always felt like i was out of out of place and i was born um as you said in a in a J- japanese hospital where there were obviously no other people who looked like me and in russia it was the same thing and then when i went to india as a little kid i was also out of place even though it was india because i was from abroad So everywhere I've been I've always felt out of place and that has caused me to try and adjust a lot more and has also been a kind of an adventure in that process and uh, being exposed to as a person how it impacted you that I think uh, when we are exposed to a different situation we are, we are forced to make friends as because your father have a very different job as a diplomat so you have to be adjustable so as a person how it impacted you yeah i could say that uh, i you know it's it made me the person i am 
but it also made me very wary of friendships and connections because they were so tenuous because every two, three years I would pack up and move to a new country uh, with no, no friends, no connections. We had no relatives, nothing in most of the places we lived. And so that was quite an adventure for me. But I learned a lot in that process and really enjoyed uh, having a chance to, uh, to learn together. So Sri, you were a professor at Columbia School of Journalism, the Columbia School of Journalism, uh, CDO at Med Museum, and then you became the CDO of New York City itself. So how does being in these different responsibilities while fulfilling that, what was the biggest learning that you had? Well, the biggest learning is that uh, it's important to use technology in the right format at the right time, at the right price and that everybody can learn and everybody can benefit from the digital revolution. Uh, so much is changing all over the planet right now and we're talking in the middle of COVID and it's, I think it's very, very important for us to be thinking about how this fits in to all that we're doing and, uh, and, and to think about that. So in terms of when I was the chief digital officer of Columbia University, I was thinking about the future of culture. Of, of education, I'm sorry. When I was at the Metropolitan Museum, I was thinking about the future of of culture. And then when I was in the in, in the, the mayor's office at the city of New York, thinking about the future of cities. And in each of these cases, uh, today, almost everything we talked about then is now more true than ever, but also the world has changed so dramatically, so fast. And that's something that I think we all need to be conscious of as we're doing these things. So, uh, and thus you talked about this uh, coronavirus situation and the pandemic and how uh, you were being through and thinking about different perspectives while fulfilling your responsibilities. How do you think that this particular pandemic affected the whole world's perspective about doing their work? If you talk about people's, uh, general people, it's about their mentality and how about the government policies and all. Yeah, I think that we are seeing now that government, you know, there's a very famous chart that I don't, uh, I'm sure you have seen about how different uh, countries are reacting. And you've seen those curves, right? And they say flatten the curve. And you, you, you may know that both South Korea and America got their first case of COVID-19 on the same day. And South Korea has had uh, a few hundred deaths and America has a few hundred deaths a day, sometimes 2,000 a day. And that's the difference between, in, uh, between South Korea and the United States. And so it's about leadership, it's about technology, it's about media. All of those have come together and put America in this awful, awful situation. Yeah. If I'm not wrong, while you are the professor of, in uh, Colombia, you co-founded SAZA, South Asian Journalists Association. What was the most core concept behind it? Uh, so we, you know, in I, I like to say that in South Asia, there are no South Asians. In South Asia, we are Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan, etc. We don't think of ourselves as South Asian. I mean, there is SARC in there, uh, but we don't think of ourselves as South Asian. But when you come abroad, when someone looks at me, they don't say, oh, I wonder if he's a Bengali from Calcutta or is he from South Indian from somewhere. They don't think like that, right? They just look at us and make a judgment call whether they're thinking something good about us 
or something bad about us. And that happens in an instant. And so when we are here, we want we wanted to make sure that the South Asian identity is not lost, that we have something common here together and we need to be connected. Uh, otherwise, we fall in here under the Asian American umbrella. And Asian America is very important. But in England, you know, when they say Asian, they mean South Asian. In America, when they say Asian, they mean East Asian. So we have to kind of fight to get onto the table and to have our own spot there. And that's the difference between uh, Britain and, and in, uh, in America, uh, what Asian means. And this is actually Asian Pacific Islander Awareness Month in America, meaning this is the time where Asian Americans are uh, given the focus in May a little bit. And so that's something that we certainly uh, think about. So we founded this organization. We thought we'd there be like 20 journalists of South Asian origin in the US. And I stopped counting at a thousand people about 15 years ago. So you can imagine, you know, that number has grown and grown and grown. And there are very famous members of our organization, Sanjay Gupta, the doctor who the world knows, we call him the world's doctor, or Farid Zakaria, who's also on CNN, who's very powerful. But we have so many other members also who every day are doing spectacular work to make it possible for us as South Asians to have representation to have a seat at the table and to be connected uh, with the larger American community in so many ways. So to simplify it, I mean that what Saza became with time is that what impacted you as a child when you were growing up in different cultures and have to stood out with your identity and that's why you founded Saza there. So you're doing some psychological analysis. So I, uh, uh, I, I have not thought of it that way, but okay. Yeah, so what do you think is the future of journalism in context of uh, changing media format? We talk about from radio to broadcasting and then digital media came. So how do you see this then? Yeah, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, media is changing so fast and we are just trying to figure out how it's all changing, how we all fit in uh, on this. And uh, that's why I'm offering a free course on social media to anybody in the world can join. I'm just announcing it today. So you're you're one of the first people that we're telling. And we're just very, very excited because I believe we need to give the world a foundation of social media and how to use it. Fight information, disinformation, misinformation. All of this is problematic. In India, as you know, we have so many issues around things, as you know, like um, you know, WhatsApp and all of that. So we need to fight that together. And so you need a foundational understanding and that's why we're doing this. So when you are telling about this, I got to know about my next question. It is about, do you think if you see the Indian government's policies about the information technology and the people, I believe that we introduce the resources first and forget to teach and educate people about how to use that particular resource, especially in the case of internet on all the apps. So how do you see what government or something we as an infrastructure doing wrong in information and technology sector of India? Yeah, I think that you're right. One of the things we're not doing, but not just in India, in America also. Look, whatever problems we have in India with technology and uh, abuse by Facebook and WhatsApp, we also have it in America. In America, an election changed based on Russian interference on WhatsApp and Facebook. Not WhatsApp, but mostly Facebook. So these tools are dangerous, are problematic, 
and something that we have to be very, very careful about. Uh, when you talked about this, that how do we use the media trials? I remember an incident that recently occurred and also uh, trended on number one in India on Twitter is about boys locker room, hashtag boys locker room. And it said that few boys are talking shit about girls on the set and that became viral instantly around more than one lakh plus tweets were there. So how do you see the media trials nowadays? We can say social media trials and because we do it knowingly, unknowingly, and there's so much of flow of data and so much of mental stress occur then. Yeah, this is something that we, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with this exact incident, but we have seen this in many, many places. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the just hearing boys locker room, this is one of the things that President Trump used as an excuse when he was a candidate. If you remember, he was recorded uh, uh, saying that he attacks women and he was, uh, uh, he just, you know, he said, oh, that's just locker room talk. It doesn't matter. And uh, this is that, I mean, this is, this is the world that we live in where respect for women, understanding uh, that what you say matters, that words have an impact is something that everybody needs to learn, not just in India, but the president of the United States too. So as a journalist, which one characteristic do you uh, think is a must to survive in the field? Uh, in, you mean know, as a journalist? So there, there are obviously lots of different tools and characteristics that you need. I would say uh, to be a successful journalist, you have to have an open mind, meaning you're listening and you're connecting and opening, you know, you're open to new ideas. But one of my gurus used to say, uh, keep an open mind, but don't let your brains fall out which means that you should be listening very carefully, should be paying attention, you should be open-minded, but don't lose your common sense. And I think that's very important for journalists. Also curiosity, very important for journalists, that you're real, you know, that you want to hear what's happening, that you, you have a knack for news, that you're curious about the world. And you also believe that the world can be made better. That's what a good journalist does. And that's why a, a journalist's job is not stenography, just write down faithfully what the bosses say or the government says. Your job is to help your readers. Your loyalty is to readers, not to the government. It's to readers. And to get them accurate information is very, very important. Yeah, to be uh, curious and aware about the surroundings and don't lose your original essence that you bring into the world. So are not we stepping in an era that uh, create digital divide? Those who have access to resources, those who have access to a good internet connection, have a severe advantage over others. It's not it a discrimination, especially in the context of Indian scenario. We are divided internet in urban and rural, and everyone don't have that great reach to internet. So if we do everything online and all the online exams and things like that, doesn't it discriminate to the people who are not still that digital literate? Yeah, so we want to do more. I mean, I'd love, for example, my course that I'm giving yeah. free, it's in English. I would love to give it in every Indian language. I'd love to give it in, uh, you know, uh, 40 different languages, but it takes money and time and someone has to invest in it. And I'm open to it. So once you, by the way, once you see my course, if you're interested, I'd love to talk to you about that. But this is what we have to do. The government and nonprofits and organizations need to give out this uh, uh, information in a way that can help everybody and they should definitely do that. Could you simplify the social media algorithm or it's working for a layman or in your language a digital immigrant? 
by the way, I love how much research you've done. That's amazing. So thank you for that. And uh, um, uh, yeah, so I think that uh, the, the way that, uh, that technology has evolved, we have a role to play in what's happening around us. We cannot blame just society and technology for all the problems. We have a responsibility. The people who got fooled by the Russians allowed themselves to be fooled by Russians. So we have to think about how does this fit into what we're trying to do? What is our obligation as citizens, right? We have obligations as citizens when we step out into the street, we have to look right and look left or and before we cross the street. That's our obligation so we don't get hit by a car or hit by a truck, right? That's, that's our obligation. So when we step into social media, we have to look around and understand who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. We need training for that. And we have to understand that in a very fundamental way. Yeah, so you talk about good and bad guys. So uh, can I ask top three accounts you want to suggest to follow and look and learn their strategy as you were ranked among top 20 people by Quill to follow on Twitter in 2020? Wow, that's a, a lot of people. And especially it's because, you know, you've got the Indian uh, audience that you have and I have a global audience. So let me give you a couple of non-Indian accounts uh, and a couple of Indian accounts I'd love for you to follow. Uh, one of them is my friend David Beard, B-E-A-R-D, and his website, his Twitter handle is Da Beard, D-A-B-E-A-R-D, Da Beard, David Beard. So he's definitely one I recommend because you will learn a lot about the world. And he also does a lot of positive tweeting, which not everybody does. So I encourage you to, uh, to learn from him. Uh, I think the positivity that he exudes is, is, is very strong and very, very good. Um, I also uh, want to uh, tell you about um, one of my colleagues, Rose Horowitz, uh, who is Rose Horowitz 31, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, uh, T-Z-31. And she does something called women to follow, hashtag women to follow, so that we're following more women and not just following men. And her work is really, really fantastic. And in terms of in India, I think the uh, one is at boomlive underscore in, and the other is altnews.in or, or at altnews. Are you familiar with these? Yeah, yeah, altnews I know. Pratik Shina is a founder. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah. So these are all these are all good ones to uh, follow. So thank you so much, Sri, for this information. I will uh, link their usernames in the below section. Don't you thank think you. Uh, LinkedIn is yet waiting to be discovered or appreciated, or I can say the current most understated platform on the social media? Uh, LinkedIn? Oh, LinkedIn absolutely is. And I think there is so much opportunity with LinkedIn, and many of us don't use it properly. And even though it's owned uh, by a company run by an Indian American in Satya Nadella, and uh, because uh, Microsoft bought it for $26 billion just to, uh, you know, let's put it in numbers that Indians will appreciate. Uh, Instagram was bought for $1 billion and LinkedIn was bought for $26 billion. So you can see uh, how much more professional it is and the value of that for sure. Because the right people, either we talk about from the media or the business sector all are there and yet we are not good to know about it especially the indian audience yeah. so we know that while i was doing the research i got to know that so much of screen time reduces our attention paying time and uh, you talk about a new currency the attention in this digital era what's this 
So attention is really important. It is what you, uh, the first thing that you realize is, is there's a shortage in your life. Even before you realize that money is a problem as a child, you realize that you, there's a shortage of attention. Your parents are too busy, your school, your teacher is not paying attention to you. So you realize that attention is a form of currency. And so today, uh, you could have a great newsletter, you could have a great uh, website, but how do, people, how do you get people to open it or read it? That's one of the great challenges, unfortunately, of, of social media and the world today. And that's something that we have to work on. So you have to work on that if you want to be successful. Many believe that artificial intelligence will hit hard on human force. We will be unemployed at a greater rate. How do you see the inclusion of artificial intelligence, especially in journalism and the digital world? Yeah, I, I think that we are seeing many different possibilities of how that may work. And AI can be good and bad. And uh, uh, as with anything, it's not the technology's fault. It's how people program it and people make those decisions. And we're certainly seeing that in, in uh, some of the issues that we're facing today. We talked about Mr. Trump, we talked about US elections and how it was influenced. So now I want to know about something like current immigration policy. US was always a hub that attracted uh, talents all over the world. And no doubt US got benefit by it. But things seem different now after elected Mr. Trump. How do you see this? So a uh, couple of thoughts. One is that uh, are there ways in which you can uh, think about um, you know the way in which uh, the elect what happens in, in the electoral process here? And uh, so much of technology played a role in in the election of uh, Mr. Trump. And so we need to pay much more attention so that we are careful when we go forward with this with this year's election. We're very, very worried about it because we don't know what's going to happen and it could be very problematic and that is uh, very sad that that's the case. You are in a career that requires a lot of awareness. You have to be online all the time to know what's happening over the globe. So what's your view on your inner peace? What's your view on mental health? How important it is? Oh, mental health is such a big thing. You know, in, Indians don't like to talk about mental health issues. That's not that's not it's our terrible. style. We don't we don't like to talk about it. We're ashamed of it, and uh, it's uh, really really meant that we have to be very careful um, uh, about about what we say. We are taught from an early age the importance of being, uh, you know, good, uh, good that always doing fine. And you know, there's that wonderful movie called uh, Three Idiots. And uh, the most famous line from that movie, you know, is all is well, right? Like we always, Indians like to say that all is well all the time because that's how we are, that's how we are trained. And uh, there is no room for doubt. There's no room for trouble. There's no room for anything that could uh, be seen as weakness. And that is a real pity uh, for, uh, for all of us that that is the case. The next question might sound a bit fantastic or Bollywood type to you, but I want to ask, how do you want time to remember you, Mr. Shri? Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, you know, it's not that unusual to think about these, uh, these things, um, especially when we're in the situation we're in, when so many young people are dying. And I'm not young. I turned 50 this year. 
And uh, uh, if, if anybody ever asked me, as you are now, you know, how I'd like to be remembered, I'd like to be remembered as someone uh, who connected people, who loved talking to people, who uh, believed in the best of technology and in the best of people. But uh, he himself was uh, not always perfect. And uh, I, I think my legacy will be uh, whatever little bit I could do to connect people and help them as much as I could. Definitely, sir. Definitely. Uh, next thing, I will go ask you three questions. I want you to talk full candid, go blunt on it. So this is a rapid fire round we have. So the first question is advice to an 18-year-old Mr. Sri Srinivasan, 18-year-old Sri. Oh, wow. Okay, 18-year-old Sri, my advice would be that uh, you know the, you have so much possibilities in front of you, but don't always be chasing you know your goals, your milestones, everything that you want to achieve. Instead, slow down, spend time with your friends, uh, give time to your relationships uh, rather than always looking for something new and exciting and what's ahead. Uh, all of that, I think, is uh, something that journalists especially do because we're always looking for something new. And uh, I would I would say that for sure. And I would also say, 18-year-old Sri, uh, learn to cook a lot earlier than I, I didn't learn to cook till I was I don't know 25 or so. Uh, I would have loved to have learned how to cook when I was 18. Uh, when I was at St. Stephen's College in Delhi, we didn't have a lot of cooking opportunities because we didn't access, have access to a kitchen. Uh, but uh, we we you know I used to go home to my LGs. I would have loved to have uh, contributed by cooking. And even now with my family here, I have two children. They're 17 years old. They're twins. And they're, they, they're really good at cooking and so much better than I am now at 50. And so I'm really grateful uh, for everyone who has ever cooked for me, uh, uh, whether it's a restaurant or my mother or my mother-in-law or all these people who cook. And we, we take it for granted. And I think that it's only during the pandemic and things like that that we're really aware of the service of others. And uh, I would I would definitely think about that. Yeah, a very great learning. As my mother said, if you can't feed yourself, you are not independent yet, yeah. no matter how yeah. much you are. Yep. So that the is next thing is that I remember a quote by Mr. APJ Abdul Kalam. He said, you not have to follow the success people, but also learn from the failures of people. So I want to ask you, Mr. Shri, biggest regret of your life. Well, biggest regret would be, um, you know, abandoning... Uh, some of my friendships because I didn't pay attention to them. And remember, we talked about attention, that you have to find time. You have to, you have to make the time to make the time to be with your friends. You cannot just gloss over it and hope that they will be there for you. You have to make the effort. I also regret not spending enough time with some of my mentors, the people who made it possible for me to be who I am today. And I didn't take that seriously enough. I now... Uh, thank a mentor every week. I call a different mentor and spend half an hour. Just call them and just talk and talk and talk. And so I uh, encourage everybody to do that today. That's that's really a great advice. I think that's a very popular quote here that the more aged the rice is, the more tasty it is. And this is why I think you want to say. The last question I want to ask is that top three book recommendations by you. Oh my goodness, I have so many, right? How do you pick just three? So let me give you three different books from three different uh, eras of my life. Uh, one is a book by Robert Fulgham, F-U-L-G-H-U-M, Robert Fulgham. 
He wrote a book called All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It is, uh, it was, I read it when I was 18, 19, and I loved it. It was so amazing and, uh, and, and so much fun to read, and I recommend it uh, to everyone uh, to see and understand uh, what's, uh, what's, you know, how to, how to think about life. Uh, also, because of the media business, I will recommend a fun book by uh, a, a former student of mine named Tom Rachman, R-A-C-H-M-A-N, and he wrote a book uh, called the, uh, the, Impression, the Impressionists. Uh, uh, let me give you the exact title of it. And uh, he was, and that was such a good book because it taught me a lot about how to look at the world. Imperfectionist, it's called the Imperfectionists, and. Uh, it was a book that came out in 25 languages, uh, and it, he just did very, very well. So I'm very proud of him, and I, I like that book. And uh, I would recommend a book that I'm reading right now uh, that's really good. Uh, it's called The Trillion Dollar Coach. Trillion Dollar Coach. About It's a book about Bill Campbell, written by Eric Schmidt, who you know. Eric is the former CEO and uh, chairman of Google. And these are three books from kind of different parts of my life. And uh, I learned so much from them. I could recommend, obviously, a lot of Indian authors and all of that. But your, your viewers know about those. So I wanted to recommend three different kinds of books. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to think of those three for you. Uh, so these are really great advices. And if I'm not wrong, you recently to India last year. And I was following you on social media. And I even commented that if I ever get a, a chance and you are in Lucknow, we will surely meet in do the conversation. Uh, I was in Lucknow and I missed you. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was. I was there. I went to uh, uh, uh and had a fabulous meal. Uh, I mean, India. I would have been in India twice already uh, since then. Um, I loved Lucknow. It was so beautiful. Really enjoyed it, uh, and it was it was really really great. And uh, that was uh, a new thing for me. Uh, to think about uh, Lucknow and the food, oh my God, the food is so, so, so good, which was uh, really uh, something. Uh, uh, and, and so much, so much opportunity uh, to eat good food. And I, I loved it as a result of uh, my uh, getting out there and uh, beautiful city and uh, meeting so many people there after, after so long. So it was great. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. I think you are the one of the most generous people ever been in a conversation. Oh my God, that's very, very kind. That's uh, that's very kind, and I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much, sir. Bye. Bye. So, guys, this is the end of the episode. I hope this podcast added value to your life. For more such episodes, stay tuned to The Home Wish Show.